Jonathan Jiang. My everyday life is doing satellite observations of、uh, the aerosols and clouds from space to use that data. We study climate change and also in the how the impact、uh, of climate change、uh, to the environment,、uh, you know, to the surface and so on. This is a continuing episode of a series where we discuss a paper. About avoiding the Great Filter, a projected timeline for human expansion off-world. A paper authored by Jonathan H. Jiang, Philip E. Rosen, and Kirsten A. Fay. Now let me introduce the special guests. Hi, I'm William Rowden. During the workday, I coach and consult to enterprise transformation leaders. But on the weekends, I think about questions like, "How likely is human existence to continue, and how can we improve our chances?" Hello, my name is Len Greski. By day, I help large companies improve their effectiveness in their product development, and my interest in in this topic is. Around you know seeing the potential of humans and what people can accomplish when when they work at it. I'm interested in now talking about the model you used for the projection. So the projection that by the end of the 21st century will have an off-world colony, and then even interstellar travel much further at the end of the 24th century.、Mm. So we have an audience out there of different levels of, of education. Well, how would you describe this model, and and why we, are you able to do this? Yeah. Okay. That is called something like、uh, you know based on our current available data. Okay. To what is the trend? Of course, there are some uncertainties because we are based on some sort of extrapolations. But、uh, you know, computers can do some random simulations. You know, to see if we keep this trend. If something happens, for example, I mentioned the economic impact. You know, the trend is not followed. Okay. But it's a range of possibilities. Okay, the range. Okay, the window. You can assume a window. The worst case case scenario, the trend becomes negative. It becomes zero. Okay, all the trend is being is being actually you can always simulate it because there's uncertainties. You can do the random simulations. You run the model a million times, for example, then to see what is the possibility distributions. Let's say, but the current available data, for example, computer speed. Okay,、uh, you know our capabilities, the data storage, how far, how fast we develop technologies to travel to the solar systems, and so on. You put this all this data, you simulate. Okay, then you can have a projection. Okay, given uncertainties. Okay, so that's why in the paper we are not going to say definitely that year, but there's a range. Now, in statistics, in computer science, you can always do that. Okay, given possibilities. Okay, right now there's a lots of data in every field, in the physics, in the math, in computer science, in technology. The more information you look at it, you'll find it's true. Okay, even the AIs, okay, the speed of AI development, 
the IQ of those of those AIs, okay, it point towards acceleration of technology development, okay, our capabilities. So, moving to the future, you got to have some assumptions, okay. Say, hey, if the current trend holds, giving some uncertainties, let's say plus minus fifty percent, you can say, you can do a simulation, you can do a projections. So that is the uh, in general term that the model is about. So, so you used a model based on microprocessor power. Right. Okay. Yeah. I don't mean power and energy, but I mean uh, capability. I suppose microprocessor right, right, right. capability. Yes. Yeah. And and Moore, you, Moore's law, right? The, yeah. Oh, yes. the, the exponential right. increasing of com, of yeah. uh, computing capability yeah. as a sort of first order approximation of what it is that constrains mm-hmm. us from yeah. space flight. Yeah, so far data is follows the Moore's law closely. It's it's not sign of slowdown yet. Maybe in the future, wow, you're you're discover slowdown. But now the quantum computer is is you know it's advanced fast. You know, as I listen to the the discussion here, one of the questions that comes to my mind is, how does computing power relate to the biological and chemical properties that are necessary to sustain life or you know what is it that leads you to, to conclude that compute power is it means a valid okay. explainer or predictor of the biology and chemistry okay it's not directly linked to the biology chemistry but it's linked to our capabilities to control the resources. For example, we have amazing capability to control the Earth's resources, let's say, and to harvest energy from the sun, for example, okay, and to control our environment. That will feed back to your, uh, on the biology levels, on the human cells, okay, this is not controlled by, um, by computer speed directly, okay, but by our understanding of the science, all the technology. I was amazing to, to watch a video. Okay, right now there's a in the medical front, they can have a videos inside your blood tubes. Okay, you you inject into blood tubes. Okay, then you you know uh, moving around inside your blood. You know to take pictures to do some analysis. I think this is linked to our technology. That advance can have some impact to the human life, to the human health, to our survival capabilities also. And also to, you know, now we are living in an information age. It's age of data. The data means information. The more information we can process, that will increase our our knowledge and our further capabilities. So that is, I'm not sure that answering your questions, you know, so... So that is uh, indirectly linked to to capabilities the human has. So if I understand your response, just to summarize it, make sure I got it, is that you're saying that the uh, exponential expansion in computing power is going to enable human beings to develop new capabilities that will solve these biology and chemistry problems? Yes, that's right, yeah. Okay, and yeah. and so therefore, you're making an an assumption. That's the assumption. That, yes. Okay, and and, that, and that's understandable. So that, that you're you're making an that an assumption that the compute power is an accurate predictor of 
biological and chemical capabilities in humans? I won't say it's accurate predictor. It's the best predictors we have. Yeah, I look at that as sort of <laughs> yes, approximations, right? Yeah. right? So if yeah. you yeah. there's some you know huge number of variables that will affect uh, how well we can yes. do space flight, but something probably does the first eighty percent, and something else the next sixteen yeah. percent, and then something else yeah. the next three percent of like the variation in those yes, numbers. Right. Yeah. And, it, and you've sort of assumed, you know, I'm making up the eighty eighty percent from eighty twenty rule, but you've assumed that the dominant um, aspect right. of the problems to be solved has to do with computing power because of our yes. ability and to so use. Computing right. to solve a bunch of these problems. Right, and how fast we can gain information, we can process those information, we can apply that knowledge from the information, from the data to the practical use. So when I read the paper, I was thinking about correlating microprocessor advancement with space flight technology. I wasn't thinking as big picture about the other parts of biology and, and, and chemistry. Well, I appreciate that that's the, where he goes. <laughs> um, I appreciate, Dr. Zhang, that you put in that part about how we get complex life onto other worlds because other thinkers in this area go from Moore's Law to things like the technological singularity and the possibility mm-hmm. of you know uploads, uh, mind uploads, and so maybe we'll upload e-crews mm-hmm. for our interstellar mm-hmm. Missions, those sorts of things, and mm. and I question whether that would reflect genuine human life. And so I, I like that you're focused on how we, as a species, mm. our embodied species, gets off world, not just our technology. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we used to rely on agriculture, you know, thousands of years ago. You know, how fast you produce food. Then it changed, and then with the invention of machines, you know, how fast you can produce, you know, those products. Now it's computers, not only computers, now it's data. You know, means how fast we process the data, apply this data to, to gain new knowledge, that, that is going to affect us. It's the 22nd century, and although there's no faster-than-light drive, Governments and religious organizations fund voyages by giant ships that spend multiple generations in voyage to Earth-like exoplanets. Young Arcady feels blessed to be born aboard the ship when he did because the ship will soon reach its destination and it will happen during his lifetime. But he's heartbroken that instead of being trained as a pilot, He is stuck training to be a farmer because those skills are more important for creating their civilization and completing the abandonment of Earth and the troubles they left behind. But once their ship makes planetfall, the strife left behind a millennia ago resurfaces, starting with the murder of his sister. After the mysterious disappearance of other generation ships, Arcady now, an officer of the Space Force, suspects that someone close to him is killing his people. This murder investigation, Space Opera, is a novelette by Lancer Kind, and it's called Memories Victims. It is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble's Nook. 
I have some goodies in the show notes for you. A link to Jonathan Jong's paper that you can access with your mobile device and you can just tap right on it and it'll pull in the paper. What are show notes? Show notes show up right in your podcast player or if you downloaded this mp3 from the webpage, go back to the webpage and you will find the show notes right there. This series started in episode 244. So if you're like my friend Boris and you happen to miss the first episode, type into your favorite web browser sci-fi-thoughts.space and you will find a search box in which you could type in the episode number 244. Next episode, more Dr. Jonathan Jung. Okay, this is a good question. If there's alien civilizations, they survived longer than us. I want to learn how they can survive. How they survive. As Carl Sagan said, if we discover, hey, somebody sent us a message, okay, it's good news because they survived, okay? If they visit us, it's good news. They survived. Because for us, it seems to be very hard to survive. I want to bring something. It's their knowledge to overcome this. You know, when human develop this capability, computing powers, they apply to the technology to kill ourselves. They increase the possibility to kill themselves. How about aliens? If aliens can survive millions of years, they can reach us. When they increase their technology, what they do to grow up, to become mature, not behave like children, is that what I want to learn. Advancement of technology to enable us to travel to the stars. Yet the military budget is to advance our capability to kill ourselves. You know, you can say to defend ourselves, but our capability to win the war. Yeah, yeah, well, that brings up an interesting moral question of yeah. how do you prevent the, the science spending from and advances in science from being repurposed to military? 